I, I remember when I first told him, you know, that I had cancer, one of the, the biggest things we had to um, process is, well, what if, what if it's God's will for me to die? You know, <laughs> for me, I get to go to heaven. Like, that's not, that's not the most terrible thing. But for him, he's got, he's got five children to raise, you know, and they're tiny. He's got, you know, eight year old down to a little baby. And that was, that was really hard. Um, it's still hard to think about, you know? This interview with the Michael Shaver family, God's servants, missionaries to the country of Iceland. It's a snapshot in time of their lives, their ministry, and Miss Nadia's perilous fight for her life with stage four cancer. We begin the interview with Brother Shaver and Miss Nadia joins about halfway through. I cannot stress this enough that you do not want to miss what God lays on her heart. Listen on. This is the Mike McCurry podcast, and with me, I have Michael Shaver. And so I greatly appreciate the opportunity to be speaking to you here now, sir. I'll give you a moment to kind of introduce yourself. You have the, the privilege, I should say, maybe the infamy. You are one of the first relatives of someone else that has been on the show before. Of course, your cousin, I believe, Nate Shaver. Is that correct? Yes, we'll go with infamy on that one. Sounds good. Very good. Now, so give us, if you would, a brief introduction to yourself. Great. Uh, so my name is Michael Shaver. Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, the Lord called us into missions. And um, so we began deputation. Uh, so we've been de on deputation for a year and a half. It was about a year ago. Right now, my wife was diagnosed with cancer, which put a little bit of a, uh, it slowed our deputation down a little bit. And then coronavirus hit, which slowed it down a little bit more. And Lord willing, we'll be picking back up soon. Absolutely. And so greatly appreciate you even taking the time. I'm sure there's much to be done all the time. Now talk about, about the family just a little bit. How many kids do you have? And what's that experience like, uh, a deputation and all of that with a houseful? Sure. So uh, we have five children. Uh, my youngest was born a year ago, August 28th. Um, my oldest is eight, then six, then four, two and one year old. So that is uh, my children. They are all a handful and uh, we love them very much. Uh, we travel in a 12 passenger van and we go from meeting to meeting uh, presenting our ministry. The kids are a, a blessing and a help in that. And we try to give them jobs so that they can do something in every church and just feel like they're a part of the ministry. Um, we basically this year, we really started homeschooling. We changed our homeschooling to more of a vector video just because of where we're at uh, ministry-wise. We felt it would be easier, so we're getting over the learning curve at the moment, but it seems to be going well. Very good. So five kids, and of course, and we'll, we'll get into this in just a little while, but the youngest, just being over a year old or so, uh, was just about to be born when kind of the, the news of cancer and all those things kind of came upon you. And so all of this while going through deputation, but let's, let's go back to the beginning, if we can, for you, your upbringing, and then what led you through salvation and then towards the ministry? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I was... My parents were independent Baptists before I was born. Uh, they were members of the First Baptist Church of Milford, Ohio. Uh, that's where Bearing Precious Seed is. Uh, Dr. Keene was the pastor at the time, and uh, that's where we were. When I was about four years old, we moved to South Africa. My dad 
started a Bearing Precious Seed printing ministry in a church in South Africa about two and a half years after that, basically turned it over to the nationals and we came back to the States. Um, we moved down to El Paso, Texas a year later, and there's a Bearing Precious Seed printing ministry down there. We were there for a year and a half when God moved us up to Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma City, that's, uh, my dad began to start a printing ministry there, and that's pretty much where I grew up. I was around 11 years old when we moved there, and uh, I spent all my teenage years there. Graduated high school there at Windsor Hills Baptist Church, uh, attended Oklahoma Baptist College, graduated. A year after graduating, uh, moved to um, uh, Kentucky. And uh, we were lay people at first in the church. Uh, then later on, I had the opportunity to join staff. And then God called us into missions about a year and a half ago. When I was younger, um, I had heard salvation uh, my whole life. I'd heard the principles and uh, precepts of salvation my whole life. But um, I, I believe I got saved when I was around four years old. Now, as I find traveling, many, many of the youth that I come in contact with deal with doubting their salvation as teenagers. And I had that same thing uh, happen to me. And I think I made a profession of faith probably four or five times during that time. And um, it, was, it was in college and I was reading a book and it was on the blood of Christ. And really the Lord just smote me. And uh, basically, basically it was the conversation was like this well did did jesus die for you and it's like yes of course i've never doubted that i know that jesus died for me and then the question was um well was it enough and yes of course it's enough and it was kind of this idea like i know these things and what the lord really began to work in my heart was this idea that every time we stop looking at Christ, then we begin looking at our part in salvation. Um, that's, that's an open door for the devil to send doubts. And I think we do that a lot, especially in our independent Baptist circles. Sometimes we focus so much on being a good Christian, which is very, very important. Um, but sometimes it's easy in the mind of a young person to want to do that so much that they do it in the power of the flesh or they do it in their own strength. And all of a sudden, all of these things become do, 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 instead of done, done, done. And it's like, well, did I really repent? Or did I really believe? Or did I really mean it? Or did I do this? And it's, they want to be saved. They want Christ, but they're looking at the wrong person. Right. At least for me, that's the way I feel like it was. And when I was young, I believe I accepted Jesus Christ in pure, innocent faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that it was sufficient to save me from my sins. But as I got older, I began looking at my part. And the truth is, is I, I don't really have a part. I do. I have to receive it, but I don't really have a part. You know, I just have to be content with the fact that Christ covered it all. And right. so for me personally, in my salvation, I couldn't point you to the exact time when I got saved. And that used to bother me a lot. But I know Jesus died. I know he rose again. I know he did it for my sin. And you can, can't convince me that there's something else I need to do to get to heaven. So if I don't know the exact time and place, well, I hope it doesn't bother you too much. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of where we're at. Uh, I know I'm safe. Uh, that was my salvation. Um, and uh, 
I'm grateful for because it's really kind of anchored me down on what salvation is and what salvation isn't a little bit. And um, I'm thankful for that because I think that's going to be necessary when we go to deal with people who don't have a clue what salvation is. Absolutely. I don't want to send the wrong message. Absolutely. And if you can't figure out this, the fundamental of the faith, the right. bare bones, then we're, we're building on a really shaky foundation from the get-go. And so right. I, I appreciate you expanding upon that and not, not uh, any deprecation against those that not gloss over, but just mention it as a fact of life right. for them, but so greatly appreciate you expanding on that for yourself. And because you're right, there are many people that have struggled with that um, in particular. And so hopefully that might be a little bit of a help to them as they listen to this. So uh, went up to Bible college and what kind of, at what point maybe was there a yieldedness to ministry? Ministry, the idea of ministry as far as missions, maybe, or just that idea that, oh, all right, whatever God wants from me, I'm willing to. Where was that in your life? I remember when I was, it was either 11 or 12. We had just moved to um, Oklahoma. My uncle lived in Oklahoma. And then my cousin, Nate, who's my partner, and then his older brother, uh, Jacob, were there. And we would spend a lot of time with them. And I remember I was in elementary at the time. And and Jacob was in junior high, and he was in uh, like a, a preacher boy club or something like that. And that was that was new to me. You know, I'd always known that there were full-time Christian servants, but I'd never, it was my first exposure that I remember of a young person um, surrendering to it or being open to it. And it was at that time, I remember we were in the living room of my uncle's house, and, and uh, my cousin Jacob, he, he preached for us. And he may have been... 14 at the time I'm not sure and that was the first time and I was like that's that was so cool that's what I wanted to do so I remember writing this little message on temptation when I was 11 it was the simplest message ever but then I the next day I, I preached my message and um, that was the first time I remember just feeling like this this thing about full-time ministry that's something that I could do you know that's that's it's not it's not a far off. It's, it's nigh, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's now. And so that's really when I began to surrender to the Lord using me in whatever capacity and the idea of my life's not my own, but I need to spend it for him. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. And talk through, and I've had the privilege of hearing this before, but maybe my listeners have not. What led you to the field that you are aimed at now and working in your cousin's life and how that kind of molded with you as well and that God just kind of putting all those pieces together for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 11 was when I felt that burden for ministry. Missions was a big deal at our church in Oklahoma. And it was probably around 12 years old where I really felt burdened for missions. Um, and from that point, I always had a burden. You know, I, I surrendered to missions. I was interested in about five different fields over the course of 10 years. And um, the Lord never gave us uh, direction. You know, I graduated college with a missions, missions major, but I still, I didn't have a field that I felt like God wanted me to go to. And I didn't even necessarily know for sure that God was going to use me as a missionary. Um, so I just stayed open to it. Uh, we moved to Kentucky. We worked there for eight, nine years. And around that last year and a half, the Lord began to just really 
bring the weight of that mission's burden down on my heart again. And I didn't know why or what or what he was doing, but I could feel it. Um, this is in our, our video presentation, some of these explanations, but I, I remember very specifically at one point, I went up to uh, Paul Leeds, who was the assistant pastor at this time, and I looked at him and I said, it was February, it was our missions month, and I said, pastor, he better stop preaching on missions or I'm going to the mission field. And it was, it was about four months later when the Lord through opening doors and closing doors and, and counseling that the Lord said, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to go right. to the mission field. Um, now, the big question everybody asks, oh, he surrendered to missions and everyone wants to know, okay, so where are you going? And I did not have a field. The Lord did not lay a field, a place on my heart. But what he had done is he had stirred in me just an idea of partnering with somebody to reach a people group basically and um while we were praying and thinking about it the lord just kept bringing my cousin nate back to our hearts and he, at this time he hadn't fully settled on the fact that god was calling him to a field but god was really burdening him about the country of iceland um i had had a burden a loose burden but a burden for the nordic regions um and so i began to pray about it and the lord kept bringing nate back to my heart and I talked with my pastor about it, and I said, I said, I, I, I know God wants me to be a missionary, but I don't know where. And he said, well, if you, it's okay if you don't know where, but I would find someone to uh, partner with. And so he began listing off missionaries that he felt like, you can come sit down. My wife's joining me. Phenomenal. Uh, for at least for a minute. We'll see how the kids do. Hello, man. But how are you doing? Began to, uh, work in my heart a little bit about uh just um uh the, the the person and so i was talking to my pastor and he says well it doesn't doesn't matter where if you don't have a where that's fine find a who and so he began to list these people that he felt like would be good missionary partners or someone to learn under things like that and after he got done i said well actually the lord's kind of put someone on my heart my cousin Nate actually which was my pastor's son and he just looked at me and he's like he's like wow isn't that interesting you know and so we prayed about it and I went over and I talked to Nate Nate had no idea um but I spent about 45 minutes I probably dragged it out too much because we got to the end and he's like you're teasing me here why don't you just say what you want to say and I said okay well the Lord's kind of put you on my heart I'm not trying to impose myself into your ministry or even assume your call on you or anything like that that's just what's happening he says Michael I'm I've been praying that God might give us a partner to do this. And so we, we prayed from that point and we felt like this is exactly what the Lord had. And so we surrendered ourselves to it and we began preparation for deputation. Absolutely. That's phenomenal. And I greatly appreciate you walking through because a lot of times I think we think that God has to work in some exceptionally spooky way or something like that. And oftentimes it's just the next right decision and just doing, just following along, doing what you're supposed to do day by day. And so I miss Nadia. I, I do not want to impose upon your time whatsoever. And I can understand my wife with the two little ones, she has her hands full. And so with five little ones, I completely understand if the call of motherhood kind of descends upon you quickly. First of all, let me say thank you so much for giving a few moments of your time. Greatly appreciate that. And, and I, I can anticipate uh, the fact that I do believe even just a little bit that we talk will be an encouragement to some other folks. I know um, I think of my wife in, in the situation, the health situation that we've gone through the last 18 months or so. Um, the thing that 
I've realized and has been, this makes it sound odd, but a help to us is to know that there are many other people going through many other things that many of which makes our situation pale in comparison. And so knowing uh, the, the strength that you've had through how the Lord's led you over the last little bit here, just want to let you know it's been an encouragement to us. And so we greatly appreciate that. But if you would, if you'd speak to um, maybe the, how the Lord's led for the last uh, maybe 12 months, but a little longer than that, um, leading up to the prognosis and, and things like that, but how the Lord's kind of been, I guess, make it open-ended, but been there and been allowed you folks to continue because the, when I first got the word, uh, when I first saw a prayer request for you and things like that, and for those that are listening, uh, Miss Nadia, back in the, the August timeframe, I believe, um, or thereabouts of last year, uh, got word that you're dealing with cancer and things like that. Um, my initial thought was, man, that's so are they not going to Iceland? And, you know, deputations, that's, that's off the table. So I'm kind of beating around the bush to open it up to you to give your thoughts as far as your immediate uh, reaction and how the Lord's led you through the last year or so. Okay. Um, great. So yeah, a year ago, you know, was when the, um, we got the news that cancer and obviously my first thought was, I don't, I don't want to have cancer, you know? And, um, and I just remember, you know, I was actually home alone when I got the news and I just cried and prayed. And, you know, I think just, my initial thoughts were carnal, you know, I said, I just said, oh, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be a good testimony through this. I just, I don't, I want you to just make it go away. I want you to do a miracle and just heal me. I don't even want to tell Michael, like, I don't want to put that on him that his wife has cancer. Like, this is just too much. And the first um, verse that the Lord just poured into my mind was my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness, you know, most Gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that just brought a sense of calmness to my soul in the moment. Just, you know, knowing he's going to be there. He's going to give me what I need to make it through. And, you know, there might be a day when I might even glory in the fact that he's allowed this to happen. And I have to say, <clears throat> as we've traveled this journey, um, there have been days where I've, I've, in total sincerity, been able to praise him for allowing me to have cancer. And there's been days when I've had my, you know, Lord, I don't understand. And that's where Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 comes in. You know, it's those days when I don't understand and it doesn't make sense that I just have to trust that he loves me. Um, you know, our daughter was born on August 28th and someone pointed out Romans 8, 28, just the fact that God works all things together for good. And, you know, most people that um, <clears throat> would look and see a stage four cancer diagnosis would think how in the world would, you know, a mom with five children, how could that, how could that be a good thing? But the Lord is showing us on a daily basis that he is, he is using this for our good and he is working in our lives. Um, I think scripture has just become a lifeline for me, you know, just on a daily basis. There'll be days where I'm, I get discouraged or I start to lose hope and the Lord will just give me a new verse to just encourage me and just reassure me that he's present. He's never going to leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never fail me. He loves my children more than I do. And he is, he's good. He's always good. And, um, 
you know, this, the last couple of weeks have been kind of hard. The new chemotherapies I'm on have just taken a little more toll on me than the first uh, regime I went through. <laughs> and, um, but the Lord's just showed me, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's in the, the storms that we can learn what a beautiful shelter and refuge his arms are and how we can just hide under his wings. His love is unfailing. And sometimes it takes those really low times to really grasp the reality of that. I think when life is smooth and things are good and I feel great, it's easy to, um, it's easy to just, you know, in your, have the head knowledge, like, yep, God loves me. He cares for me. Um, but when you're just, when you're kind of hitting rock bottom or you're suffering through some pain and you feel his presence and you know his grace, um, it's very faith building. And I would say that's probably been the theme of this journey for me the last year is the Lord has just really taken my faith to a new level. And I think it was a desperate need in my life. I think just for me to go to Iceland is going to require a lot of faith. You know, especially taking five children over there. It's a pretty dark country. I'm sure Michael will fill you in on some of the details. It's, but, you know, the Lord has just used this experience dealing with cancer. I mean, even just knowing, okay, Lord, now what's the next step? And what decision should we make concerning even treatments and everything, you know, on a daily basis? The Lord's really just allowed my faith in him to grow and just to see you know, his provision on a daily basis. I mean, we financially, I think we're close to $300,000 in medical treatments and the Lord's provided every penny. And I have no idea how, and that's faith building, you know, and to know, you know, we, we read about how expensive it is to live in Iceland and that can be intimidating, but then the Lord's like, if I can provide for you here in the States, I will provide for you in Iceland. And so just, I think, these little, I mean, huge battles to us now are just preparation, I think, for, I mean, even bigger battles to come. And that's scary and intimidating, but when, when we take the faith that God has built and strengthened and grown in us, and we, we cling to that and our confidence and firmness is in that, I think it gives us what we need. We know that. We can trust him with tomorrow. And that's another thing. I think my just as a mom, you know, I just want, I want to think ahead. I want to plan a year from now. I want to know what's going to, what's going to happen five years from now. I want to see it all. And then the Lord just says, you know, take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow she'll take thought for the things of itself. And just learning that lesson where, you know, I just need to trust God for today. And I need to trust him that tomorrow he's going to, he's going to take care of tomorrow. If I seek him first, seek his kingdom, he's going to, he's going to take care of me and my family. And I can just rest in that. I don't have to worry or fret. I can be careful for nothing. And I can give thanks in everything. That's another lesson, you know, just being content, being content with the suffering sometimes, being content with not feeling good, not having any energy. You know, some days I'm like, I just want to be a normal person. I just want to be healthy. I just want to be a mom. I just want to just do my thing and I can't. And the Lord's like, well, you have to be content with that. And you have to learn to give thanks in that. So lots of lessons. I'm sure Absolutely. you have many more to teach me, but. No, well, 
few of the big ones. The Lord one really of the things happen. I appreciate about this podcast is as independent Baptists, we're not so fond of, of women preachers, but it does give the opportunity every once in a while <laughs> for a lady to expound a little bit. Really the, the, the immediate verse that came, verses that came to my mind, Psalm 107, uh, 23, uh, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. And it's amazing to see that even through these enormous storms of life that God brings to different folks, that this, that's where uh, you walk away with those stories and those that are tied up to the shore that are, that are still in port. They hear the stories with, as a mariners come and go, but they never have it themselves because they don't go, they're not willing to take that step of faith. And so I appreciate the fact that you're not only willing to be on the ship and let him pilot the ship, even though it's uncomfortable many times, but the fact that you're willing to expound on it and talk about it a little bit, because I know that there will be others that dealing with things that may be pale in comparison, but still each of us have battles that God gives us. And to us at the time, they seem enormous. And so brother Shaver for you, I remember very vividly in the ER, my, my wife finding out that she has a tumor on her spine and all these things for you. It sounds like, so Miss Shaver, you found out first yourself, you got the news and then brother Shaver, I went back actually, I think, is it Nadia's journey of hope? Is that the Facebook page that people can, can like and follow along and get updates and things. Uh, but I went back and read just a few uh, last night, but for you, what was your immediate thought? I guess what led up to you finding out and then kind of what was, what was the mental process for you as, as this came to happen? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't feel like I'm the kind of guy who's surprised by much. Um, I would say my battle is not so much in the shock and awe of something as it is in the journey of it. It's mm -hmm. like, you tell me what the problem is. Great. Okay. We'll, we'll take it out. But when, when all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, we came into this and we had a plan and we had a course and it was sound and it was, it was understandable and it, it made sense. And then you get to the end of it and the problem's not gone. That's when the journey is for me. Uh, and it's really interesting. Sometimes I, I feel ashamed, you know, um, Lazarus died and Christ said, well, I'm glad uh, for your sakes. He turns to the disciple and says, I'm glad for your sakes. So Lazarus goes through this great trial. Mary and Martha kind of go through this great trial because God wanted to teach the disciples something. And sometimes I feel like one of the main reasons the Lord's allowed this into our life is to teach me something. And there's, mm -hmm. there's been so many things that he's, had to teach me. And I would say, honestly, one of the things that it keeps coming back to is the idea of control. And mm. it's like, okay, so this problem comes in and it hit me. I didn't like it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a crushing blow or anything. It was like, okay, here's an obstacle and we're going to, God's going to take care of it. We're going to be done with it. He's going to, we're going to do whatever we need to. We're going to seek his path and his face. We're going to follow it. We're going to be done with it. And we're going to move on. Well, we're not done with it yet. And it's like, now that, that wasn't part of the plan. It's like, the plan wasn't for it to go on this long. The plan was for us to find out exactly what your will was, do it, and then you were going to remove this, and we were going to be good to go. And that's, that's not what he has in mind. Uh, the Lord, for me, uh, some other things the Lord has taught me um, 
along this journey. And that's really what it is. It's a journey. I tend to be a little more goal oriented and that is not what this is. It's <laughs> very much a journey. Um, but a while back, the Lord really worked in my heart from the book of James. It says, uh, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh, but then it says, but let patience have her perfect work. Um, and the idea of perfect there is the idea of complete. So basically what the Lord was teaching me, it's, it's like, okay, Michael, you need to let this journey complete itself. You can't just do everything right and make it finish. That's not how this works. And so I have to learn to be content and I have to learn to be patient so that the Lord can do a complete work. So that kind of was the what's going on for me. But then, then it's more like, more recently, it's been the why. It's like, why? This doesn't even make sense. Why, why, why would this happen? I don't understand it. It, it. it blows my mind. And I think what happens sometimes is, as Americans, uh, and the reason I say that is because in our American society, which I believe is biblically based, but I mean, we've developed our own blind spots throughout the, the centuries that we don't see. And one of the things as American capitalists is that whole goal-oriented idea and profit and usefulness and do, 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 do. And to me, it doesn't make sense because it's like, why would we be slowed down from doing the will of God? And what I fail to realize is I'm totally missing what the will of God is. The word of God says that God has predestinated believers to be conformed to the image of Christ. And I was not interested in being conformed to the image of Christ. I was interested and going out there and doing something for him. And so that, as of late, that's been something he's had to show me. It's like, Michael, this isn't about you. This isn't about you serving me. This is about you being conformed to the image of Christ so that God can receive the glory. Absolutely. Because he, just, he does not receive glory when we do something for him. He receives glory when we are abased and his son is glorified in us and works through us to do a work for the father. And, you know, it's, it's this idea of faith. It's like, I, I, I don't want faith. I want control. And that, that's a hard, it's, it's a lesson. And it's, well, it's, it's the microcosm. Eat. It's the microcosm of life. You're yeah. learning it all here in a year or less, um, unfortunately, and all those things that come along with that. But really, it's lessons. And, and you said it, if, if we to really apply those, it would radically change everything that we do, because it would right. be so much less goal oriented, so much less. And I'm not even getting to the, you know, the, the glorifying in numbers and all of that stuff. Just we try to do things instead of be something. And, and, and I'm not going, we're not, we're not going near evangelical with it, the conversation no, at all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, we have a responsibility. We're Christians, little Christs before right. we work for him, we were supposed to be like him. And so you're exactly, exactly right. So Ms. Nadia, for you watching your husband and my, my wife, the conversations that we've had about it, for her, dealing with the situation is one thing, 
but then knowing that all these moving pieces are going on around her, me and the kids and family and all that stuff. What, it, what how has it been for you watching kind of from the inside out all these kind of things just orbiting around your situation? Um, it, it's difficult. You know, I think some days I just want to kind of cocoon myself and just heal, you know, that's all, like, I just want to, but I can't. And so, you know, just seeing my husband, you know, and he's got his amazing days and he's got his low days, like we all do. And, um, and knowing how much I lean on him and just some days I'm like, how does he handle all these burdens? How does he handle, you know, taking me to treatments, coming home with all five children, you know, he, right now he's doing school with the kids. I mean, he's trying to still line up meetings and I mean, how does he handle it all? And I know it's God's grace and I know it's God's strength. And I just, um, I just, I, I remember when I first told him, you know, that I had cancer, one of the, the biggest things we had to, um, process is, well, what if, what if it's God's will for me to die? You know, <laughs> for me, I get to go to heaven. Like that's not, that's not the most terrible thing, but for him, he's got, he's got five children to raise, you know, and they're tiny. He's got, you know, eight year old down to a little baby. And that was, that was really hard. Um, it's still hard to think about, you know? Um, but the Lord just really gave us some scripture. And I think I remember one of the first passages we looked at together after we found out was, um, just this thought about how, you know, we need, in Corinthians, do you remember that? About how we need to just be, we're vessels. And if we're, if we're broken, that's when the light of Christ can shine through us. Um, and just bearing it in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. And it was just this thought that, you know, God wants us to shine for him. And one of the ways that he can get the glory, he can shine through us is when we're broken and um and sometimes it takes hard things um you know like suffering and cancer and things like that to really bring that brokenness about in us because i think i think growing up in a christian home it's easy to just do all the right things and almost develop a pride or a, a self-righteousness about like well i go to church i read my bible i walk with the lord i tell others about him i'm I'm doing everything I should be doing, you know, and we almost get like this self-righteousness about us. And then the Lord sometimes brings in the suffering and shows us, yes, but there's still a lot of areas where you lack and you need to be broken and you need to be humble. And I need to be doing this work through you. You shouldn't be doing it in your own strength. And that's, that's been a huge lesson for me. Um, because I'm, like you said, you know, when I look at my kids, I look at my husband, it's, it's easy for me to just be like, well, I got this, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get the house clean. I can do the budget. Da, 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 da. And when I'm weak and I can't, um, it goes back to that, you know, when, when I'm laying in bed and I can't even move literally, you know, the Lord just has to, has to, he's shown me, you know, it's from that place of weakness. When I cry out to him that he can allow his strength you know, to give me wings as eagles, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. And um, there's been days where that's, I think what got me through that day was 
just me acknowledging I have nothing and the Lord saying, all right, well, I have, I have enough for you to make it through one more day. Absolutely. I want, and I want to be very, very respectful of the time. And so I want want to get into what currently, and people can follow that on Nadia's journey of hope and all those things. um, And the, be able to look at what, what is the Lord's doing currently and, and maybe different opportunities to even help and be a, um, be a blessing in some way or another. And I, I was, the thought I had that just tickled the back of my mind was the fact that five kids can survive for more than five minutes alone speaks to your guys' parenting is absolutely, it, it, that, that's it by itself is a credit to you folks. Um, but w- one of the, the last questions I like to ask, and if, if Miss Nadia is able to make it back, no, either way, no problem at all. But for you, a question that, that, that I, I'd like to ask is this, were you given a billboard that millions upon millions would see and not that there's going to be millions that listen to this podcast, but maybe in the hundreds besides, I, I don't want to make light of it all besides the obvious of Jesus saves that that's for a right. given, but beyond right. that, what would be a short paragraph worth of text, uh, a thought that just that you bear with you uh, long-term that you would speak to a lot of folks given the opportunity? Um, I would say The one thing that Christ wants from everyone is to put him first. Um, here's here's kind of where that comes from. Um, in this whole cancer journey, fears, it's, it's this constant thing that wants to keep coming back. But it's they're all noble and just fears. You know, it's like, well, my, my kids, I fear for my kids. I fear for my wife. I fear for all of these things. Um, but if I can rest in Christ as first, it, it just, it covers me with grace and I don't have to fear for my kids and I don't have to fear for my wife because my most important and my most, the, the biggest love of my life is Christ. And, you know, anytime, and it can relate to anything. It can relate to money problems or job problems or relationship problems or anything. It can. But anytime fear comes in, the, the verse, it's perfect love cast without fear. That's kind of what it's talking about. When Christ is first, the, the fears, they subside. And so if I'm fearful, I know that my love for Christ isn't right. And I would say, understanding that and applying it to your life, I would, I would encourage everyone out there to do that. Because, I mean, ultimately, that's folk, it's, it's, it's always the same thing. No matter what problem we have in the Christian life, it's always about focusing on Christ. But it, it can always be revealed and seen in a new light. And that's kind of where it's coming from for me is it's, if I focus on Christ more, I, I mean, for me, I, 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 I do not want my kids to turn out 
against God. That is the largest fear in my life. And if I don't focus on Christ, it can be consuming. And I try to fix the problem in the flesh. But if I focus mm. on Christ and I trust him, and I follow him and I maintain faith in him, I do have that rest. Absolutely. So find rest by faith in Christ. Hmm. No, no and, matter the obstacle, how noble or how base. <laughs> absolutely. And Miss Nadia, the question was this, and we'll, I'll, I'll give you some time to mull it over. If you had a, a billboard uh, that would be seen by millions or Lord willing, hundreds that listen to this podcast, what would be the message? And, and the obvious being Jesus saves, but something that has been true for you. And, you, and you've spoken about some of those lessons already, but and it doesn't have to be summed up in, in 15 seconds or anything like that. But I will say this while you're thinking on that, I appreciate from you, Miss Nadia, and then you, uh, Shaver, just the realness, the genuineness. Um, and, and for me and, my, and our situation and just, just normal situations of life, it's often easy just to give the cliche spiritual answer to these different questions and things. But I appreciate number one, the fact that you took the time to th to ponder that question and to, to give a real answer and to be willing to admit, I mean, call it what it is, a fault or whatever it may be in fear and things like that. And so I appreciate that very much. But Miss Nadia, what would be where you would go with that question? Um, I think for me, probably just from just from this year, I would say the biggest message I I feel like the Lord's taught me, and I'd love for people to grasp is you can trust God's love for you. You, you can rest in it. God God loves you. He He wants what's best for you, and you can trust that. Because um, there's been days where I wanted to doubt it. There's the days where I'm like, do you really love me, Lord? And I think it always comes down to, yes, he does. And I can trust him. And that would be my message, I think. Absolutely. So greatly appreciate very much the time and okay. the, the investment of time. And I often think it's been said so many times, it's cliche that we'll never know until eternity, the investment that we make and the impact that it'll have. Um, but my prayer is that someone, may, maybe this podcast, maybe your story and your willingness to talk about it uh, won't be, um, maybe there'll be people that listen to it that it's not even helped to right now, but it will be, they'll remember it and come back to it in future. And that's one of the great things about the digital age we live in is things really never die. They're, all, they're always out there. And so to Miss Nadia, as she has to slip away, thank you so much. And Bo Shaver, greatly appreciate your willingness. Um, I, I know this is a, uh, I, I don't know what my answer would have been in the aftermath of my wife's uh, health and all those things for someone asking any sort of questions about it. How much do you want to talk about those types of things? But I appreciate, ma'am, your, your willingness to, and the fact that you both con consistently and constantly turned it back to Christ, the author and finisher. Any, any last words, either one before we sign off here shortly? I just want to say thank you. This was encouraging to me and I am, um... I'm grateful for the, the opportunity to, Lord willing, minister to people even through this. Praise Lord. Praise Lord. And Ms. Shaver? I just echo that. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, I think one of my biggest um, hopes is that, you know, God can get glory through this. And I think the only way that's going to happen is if, if we're okay with talking about it and 
and expressing the things God's working in us and doing for us, that's the way he's going to get glory. And so, um, yeah, so thank you for giving us an opportunity to give him, give him some of the glory and all he's been doing. Absolutely. Well, last question being this, and for either one of you that, can, that would like to answer, I always like for people and myself to be able to pray intelligently. And so what, what is something right now as someone listens to this in the next few days when it releases, what is something in specificity as much as you'd like to that some, somebody could pray for right now? Um, for me, just more grace, daily grace. You know, I think um, I'm getting to the point where I kind of dread going in for treatments daily. So just that, that peace in my heart that God's not going to give me more than I can handle. And then just for mercy, you know, with, some of the side effects, they haven't been that fun. So just probably just overall my health. And obviously we're just praying for a miracle. We're praying that the Lord is going to, just like he did over and over again in the Bible, just bring healing into our lives. And this will be a thing of the past. Um, I don't want cancer to be the defining, you know, I don't want that to define me. I want to go on and be a missionary and I want to see my children grow up and get married and all of that. And so just we're praying for a miracle and then we're praying for healing and then just that daily, you know, strength to get through the next few weeks of the, the chemotherapy and the treatments and for amazing results. So that would probably be the big ones for me. And yeah, I would, I would say for myself, um, just that constant finding refuge in the Lord, you know, because it's, it's perpetual. It is, it is constant. And, um, if this has probably been the biggest spiritual battle that I personally have ever faced. And it's not the, I, I don't believe it's necessarily the weight of a single attack as much as it is the longevity of it, hmm. the length of it. So in endurance and patience, you know, that's, that's what I mean. It's, I know there's that whole cliche thing out there. Oh, don't ever pray for patience, but that's God's will. You know, <laughs> it is God's will. It is not God's will for us to go through life without suffering. It is God's will for us to learn patience. So I, I pray for patience. I mean, pray for patience for me. And I, I do pray for patience because that's exactly what I need. And that's exactly what Christ wants in me. Um, also, maybe on a more tangible note, pray that we can raise our support. Uh, my ability to to uh, go out is limited right now. And, and I know it's limited for lots of missionaries, so I'm not trying to belittle the challenges any missionary is facing. But uh, if, if you would, yeah, pray that we can raise our support quickly. And for those that don't know, where are you at percentage-wise right now? We're probably around 30%, maybe, between 30 35%. Absolutely. Well, I'll close with this, uh, folks, in the – some of you said caught my attention, Miss Nadia. Um, I, I'm always, as we're going through, I'm always thinking about, you know, what the title, what kind of encapsulates them, the, what we talked about and things like that. And something you said, um, and if this, if this is any help to you, I know it's an encouragement to me that, I, and this may work into the title. I don't, I don't know that I give this interview, but you said cancer not defining you. Uh, I, I don't think anyone can listen to this. And I know I can't walk away from this thinking that cancer does the only thing that I got from both of you is that Christ defines you. And if that's any encouragement, that was, that's what I got out of it. Cancer may be the vehicle that he's using to shine through at this time, 
but uh, I know that's encouragement to me and hope to you as well. And so greatly, greatly appreciate you folks. Anything at all that we can do for you um, and, and for the folks that are listening, if you would, seriously, don't just you know, turn off the live stream or what, what have you, the, the podcast and, and, and pray for the shavers, make a concerted effort right now. If you would, those that are listening and mark down on your prayer sheet, put it a reminder in your phone. Maybe when you wake up in the morning or something, pray. Uh, I know for those of you that are not going through a storm like this, Lord might have it for your future. And I know you would appreciate uh, God's people's prayers at that time too. So make, uh, let's get practical with it. Mark down somewhere that you're going to see it to pray for the shavers for ministry, uh, finances, uh, health, of course, and all those things. And uh, the five little, five little ones and yeah, literally little ones. And so we will definitely be praying for you folks. Anything at all that we can do for you, myself personally, Bible tracks, just in general, uh, please let us know, but we will continue praying. We'll sign off now for the Mike McCurry podcast. If you folks would stick around for just one moment after we sign off. If you listened to that interview in its entirety, thank you. Now let me ask you to do two things. Number one, would you share that with someone? I am dead certain that you know of somebody in your life that could use what Michael and Nadia Shaver talked about. Secondly, would you do your utmost to trust God with the same grace that they did? That's all for today. We'll talk to you soon. God bless.